Hey, this is Dean and Natalie from The Game Den, The Film Den, and The Horrorcast. Please check out those shows. But right now, you are listening to Nerd of the Third Power. And welcome once more to another episode of Nerd to the Third Power, your one-stop shop for all things nerdy and awesome. I am your host and master of ceremonies, Dr. Gonzo. With me as always in this epic quest of awesomeness is our resident anime goddess, the one, the only, the beautiful, the cat. Cat, how you doing? Hanging in there, you know, just sort of chugging along. Okay. And, uh, let's see, Skyblaze is out working on a, on a convention, on convention planning for a con that she's working at this weekend. John is uh, vanished into the ether, so it looks like it's just you, me, and... Uh... Oh, Brian's here. Brian, how are you doing? Hi, I'm here. Can everyone hear me this time? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, goody. His, yeah, your elbow's not... You're not resting your elbow on the mute button again. <laughs> no, I'm not. All right. It's just the three of us, so, so that's good to be a nice, tight show. We got a good show for you tonight. We're discussing uh, TV's The Flash. Uh, one of the, uh, the slew of, uh, superhero-related television series that has come out in recent memory, and, uh, as I understand it, it is, uh, not gonna be the last. So, uh, yeah, that's gonna be a lot of fun. We're gonna look at that, see how it stacks up against its peers. But, of course, there is procedure to follow, so we're gonna begin our show, as always, with Ask a Geek. So let me dig into our mailbag here and pull out some questions. Alright, so our first question here comes from Jason, and uh, he asked actually something related to something we were discussing earlier in the show, which is, uh, if they were to make a CG Zelda cartoon, how would you feel if Zelda Williams was cast to play Princess Zelda? So, uh, Brian, you, what, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, it's on-the-nose casting. It is, it is, hey, her name is Zelda. She could play Zelda. It's like hiring John Smith to play John Smith. It's like the only qualification you need. My name is Zelda. I mean, it's not that my name is Zelda, it's I'm Zelda. <laughs> I'm the princess you're looking for. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, it's, he qualifies the statement by saying that after hearing her performance as Kavir on The Legend of Korra, uh, he believes that she would be perfect to play the, the stern and compassionate leader of Hyrule. Um, so, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I actually didn't get a chance to see. Uh, I don't know anything about Kavir or her character or Miss Williams' performance. So, uh, Kat, as someone who's actually born witness to this, uh, how, how, does, she, does she have the chops? Uh, yeah, I, her, I, I've never actually seen, uh, Zelda Williams, like, I know she does some TV and maybe some, like, bits and movies, but I've never actually seen her, uh, like, screen act, but for voice acting, when she played Kuvira, she was amazing. Kuvira was a really, really excellent character, and a lot of that was just really, really excellent voice acting behind it. Alrighty, cool, so, uh, yeah, Zelda Williams is Zelda, that, that's, uh, that's our vote. And, uh, let's see, next question here, uh, I know there's one from Bima. Uh, yes, his question, why does the YouTube URL for our show link to Shirt Guy Bill? Um, well, the story behind that is, is quite simply, that YouTube account is, like, ten years old. Uh, I opened that account so I could comment on, uh, you know, on funny internet videos, you know, just, I just opened up for the hell of it and never thought anything to use it. Um, and then I, when we started putting our shows up on YouTube, I changed the name on it, uh, to give us an official YouTube page. Uh, the Shirt Guy Bill name is actually a play off of, um, off of the webcomic Sluggy Freelance, 
uh, for a while whenever uh, the artist whose name escapes me at this moment, whenever he couldn't come up with an actual strip, he would put up these these little like stick figure cartoons about a character named Shirt Guy Tom. And I just, you know, took the naming convention and just kind of ran with it. Um, it's just, just a stupid little thing from the folly of my youth. My ever-vanishing youth. I'm almost 30, and that makes me sad. Shut <laughs> up! Seriously. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so yeah, that's, uh, that's where that story comes from. That, where that name comes from. Uh, next question here. Uh, here's one for, uh, for you, Brian, from a, uh, Christopher. And he asks... Are there any obscure comic characters that you would like to see brought to the large or small screen? Oh my goodness, there is so many. I have forever championed, championed a Booster Gold Blue Beetle either TV show or movie. Um, they're not what you consider super obscure, but they're also not um, main listers, to uh, use a phrase that just popped in my head. Uh, I've always, I always thought like at least Bruce Campbell would be a great Ted Cord, uh, at least young Bruce Campbell. There's so many, and I, like I said, I've, I'm still also champion for Beta Ray Bill to show up eventually, somewhere. Um, whatever movie and or TV show he pops up into will be the greatest movie or TV show ever, uh, hands down. No matter what happens. Uh, I would like to see also though, um, since superheroes are sort of hip and trendy again. And doesn't seem to look like it's going to be dying anytime soon. Uh, Dynamite released something that Alex Ross put together called Project Superpowers. And what they had done is they'd taken actually a lot of old pre-World War II and World War II superheroes, which are now in the public domain because after, you know, the big crash, not the, well, not the crash, the uh, recession, thank you. Happened, and a lot of the the publishers that existed sort of died out in the recession. Not to mention, we had a little bit later on the seduction of the youth bullshit uh, trials and things like that. And so those publishers changed their stories. All those characters just fell into the public domain after a while. Um, a lot of like patriotic heroes, a lot of just random heroes you never have heard of, um, like the original Daredevil. Which they can't use the name anymore. A lot of those characters I think should deserve maybe a second chance, a second look at it. Uh, they tried a bit with Project Superpowers, but Alex Ross and uh, Jim Kruger went a really weird direction towards the end and unfortunately it sort of fell apart. Um, they got Warren Ellis to try to bring it back, which is going to be really interesting. But So I, I wouldn't mind seeing something like that because it's, it's out of the mainstream, you know, it's... It's still superheroes, but superheroes, like, I guarantee you, like, no one in this current generation knows about. So you have basically brand new life breathed into them. Um, Valiant also is trying, I know for a fact Valiant is trying to get their characters back into the limelight. Um, I think one of them, uh, they actually have a movie deal in development, I think? I don't know, I might have to ask John for Shadow Man. Uh... But that's, Shadow Man honestly is the weakest character, I think, of Valiant. No offense to the Valiant characters, because obviously Ninjak is the best one. No one knows what I'm talking about. Uh, that's my answer. Well, the question's for obscure characters, so... <laughs> well done, sir. <laughs> yeah. we, we assume that he's telling the truth and he's not just making this shit up. <laughs> Which we do for half of the stuff that half the people on this show talk about. Just kind of like, you know, is he, is he telling the truth? Is he making this up? I have no way. Based, and and it's, it's a coin flip in comic terms, you know. <laughs> this person's power is he can breathe fire through his nose. No, it's not. Oh, my God, it is. 
Okay, and uh, he's got another question here uh, for, I, well, I'm going to ask it to all of us, but it's really for more all the, the Bruce Campbell fans in, on the show. What we think of the announcement of the uh, Bruce Campbell-led Ash vs. the Evil Dead series that was announced. Yay. Only if he can cross over with Hercules and Xena at one point, because that would be hilarious. <gasps> Since it's, it's the same people involved, I'm assuming, Sam Raimi. So just be random, like, I get transported to another dimension. Is hi, Kevin Sorbo? No, I'm Hercules. Oh. Well, you look like Kevin yeah. Sorbo. <laughs> I saw that episode of Hercules. <laughs> well, I'm a little anxious about it because, I mean, on the one hand, it, you know, hey, it's Evil Dead. You know, Ash Williams is the role that Bruce Campbell was, was born to make, that the world was created just so Bruce Campbell could play this role. Um, but on the other hand, it's like, you know, how long has it been since Army of Darkness came out? How long has it been since we've, since we've had a visit into the, the Evil Dead mythos, the, the remake aside? So, I don't know, I think, I think he's kind of getting a little long in the tooth, uh, to, to keep playing this character, so, especially to commit to a full, full-blown television series. I don't know, I'm kind of, I, I mean, it, 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 it could be great, it could be terrible, um, so I'm gonna have to just put on my helmet and hope for the best. I don't think he has anything better to do right now with uh, Burn Notice being over, so why not? You know, gotta put food on the table somehow, I guess. <laughs> gotta feed that jawline. <laughs> Bruce, Bruce Chamble's chin is so large it has its own digestive tract. He's got like a little trap door under his tongue that opens up and just feeds straight down into, into his chin. <laughs> we know this to be true. <laughs> okay but that's all the asking geek questions that we have for this week as always you can send them to us through the email at billysmith at channelawesome.com and uh well actually i don't know since it's just since it's just the three of us do we want to keep going with some more asking geek questions or do we just want to jump right into uh right into the headlines uh let's just jump right into the headlines all right okay headlines it is then brian take it away because you're literally the only correspondent here Thank you, and here are the headlines across the multiverse for this week. Dynamite Comics is going to put together their own crossover event coming in this May, the same time as all the other crossover events are happening around the other publishers. But this one's a little bit unique. Every person involved in this is female. That's right, all the writers are female. We have Gail Simone, Nance Collins, Maygrid Scott, G. Willow Wilson, plus many others taking over the controls of these characters. What you have, though, is a story called Swords of Sorrow. It's a series that Simone will be writing, and it's featuring Vampirella, Deja Thorne, Red Sonia, Kato, the female Kato from the Kevin Smith Green Arrow version, and Jungle Girl, plus many more characters involved. All female, by the way. Did I mention that? It's all female. There's the main series, there's also several mini-series that go along with it that sort of tag-team two characters together. Check this out coming in May from Dynamite Comics. Also returning in May, Usagi Ujimbo will return the shelves after a three-year hiatus. Three years ago, the creator, Stan Saka, took a break from this series that he created, but he didn't necessarily take a break from comics. He worked on many other things for Dark Horse at the time. So with those projects now closed, Seems like the perfect time for Usagi Ujimbo to return to store shelves. Usagi Ujimbo is a 30-year-old comic book series and considered one of the greatest comic book series of all time. If you haven't checked them out by now, I think May is a perfect time to do that. Moving on to TV news, which is something I've we're talking about today on the show. Variety is reporting that Jim Sterling has reached a deal for his creator-owned comic series, Dread Star, to be 
developed for television. The people involved with it is Universal Cable Productions. They're actually a subsidiary of NBC Universal, but they're saying that they are going to shop around outside of NBC Universal for possible studios, which is probably good because NBC Universal doesn't have the greatest track record for any sort of comic book and or superhero adaptations. Over at Marvel, we actually have an end of a small era. Brian Michael Bendis is going to be leaving the X-Men book after two years of writing it. But don't worry, he's already re-signed an exclusive deal to only work with Marvel from the future now. What he'll be working on after Secret Wars? Well, we're not really sure yet. We'll have to wait for the solicitations to come out. And who is taking over the X-Men? Again, we have to wait until the solicitations come out. And our final TV news, yes, still on TV, but it's also related to the show that we're talking about today. The Flash and the Arrow are getting another spinoff series. That's right, another one already, but a little bit different. The character that's going to be spun off is Vixen, the superhero who has the ability to channel any animal through her amulet. But she's not doing live action. No, she's actually going to be doing an animated spinoff for web only on the CW Seed. There is possible chance of maybe the character showing up in Arrow or Flash, as Arrow and Flash will be showing up in her series, but we're not too sure yet. This is actually sort of unique, that no one's ever done an animated spin-off web-only before, until now. With the idea of a lot of web-only shows, like Korra being the most recent, be kind of interesting to see where exactly where this goes. The CW-verse, if you want to call it that, is slowly, slowly growing. We'll have to wait and see how this turns out, though. Well, that's all the news I have for this week. I'm going to turn it over back to you guys for the rest of it. Thank you. Why, thank you. Bandai Namco Holdings announced a small company restructure last Thursday as part of its three-year business strategy. Starting this April, they will create a spin-off production company as sort of a subdivision of their subsidiary, Sunrise. The new company will be Bandai Namco Pictures, and while Sunrise focuses on properties targeted at anime fans, Bandai Namco Pictures will plan, produce, and handle intellectual properties aimed specifically at children and families, which of course can be anime, though it hasn't been stated exclusively as such. While we probably won't see direct results of the restructure outside of Japan, it's nice to see a big company like Bandai Namco just keep on evolving. Viz Productions, the film development division of Viz Media, has announced they are working on a film adaptation of Ueda Sayuri's short story, The Street of Fruiting Bodies. According to Viz, the story depicts the sudden spread of a mysterious and lethal species of hallucinogenic mushroom. Ooh, that sounds kind of cool, actually. The infestation is deadly, but also offers visions of deceased loved ones to the infected, hinting at the reality of an afterlife, or at least a new kind of existence that is beyond human comprehension. Batman screenwriter Sam Hamm will pen the screenplay. Viz Productions is an LA-based production company that facilitates the licenses of Japanese properties to American filmmakers. Their most notable partnership to date is Tom Cruise's Edge of Tomorrow, based on Sakurazaka Hiroshi's military sci-fi novel All You Need Is Kill. So who knows, in terms of Hollywood adaptations, this might be the next Edge of Tomorrow, but hopefully it's not the next Kite. Funimation has announced that it will be offering broadcast dubs, meaning dubs that will stream as the show airs, for Assassination Classroom, Death Parade, Tokyo Ghoul Route A, The Rolling Girls, Worldbreak Aria of Curse for a Holy Swordsman, 
Kamisama Kiss 2, Absolute Duo, Yurikuma Arashi, Yona of the Dawn, and Maria the Virgin Witch. Starting this week, they'll also host a primetime block that features Assassination Classroom, Death Parade, and Tokyo Ghoul, followed by a web show called Double Talk, which will be hosted by Funimation staffers Justin Rojas and Lauren Moore with Screw Attack's Chad James. The broadcast dubs are available to all Funimation subscribers, and Double Talk will be streamed on Funimation's website and Twitch TV. And finally, if you plan on watching the Oscars this weekend, keep your eye out for Studio Ghibli director Takahada Isao and producer Nishimura Yoshiaki. They'll both be in attendance with A Tale of Princess Kaguya nominated for Best Animated Feature Film. Foreign animated films usually get shafted in favor of American ones in this category, and I really don't expect this year to be any different. My money's on Big Hero 6, but this is the first time a Japanese director has actually attended the Oscars for a film nominated in this category, so I wish them the best of luck. And that's all I've got going on in the anime and manga world. Over to you, Dr. Gonzo. All right, and here's the news that's fit to hear in the gaming world this week. Our top headline, rumors abound that the Rock Band franchise will be making a return. The rhythm game genre was a wild gaming fad that shook the industry for a good five years before pulling a Houdini and vanishing completely. But according to a Bloomberg report, Harmonix is developing a new Rock Band title for PS4 and Xbox One. The report offers few details, but said that its source was, quote, familiar to the matter and asked not to be named. This rumor has some support in the recent release of Rock Band DLC songs being released after a two-year absence. And the internet has torn itself asunder over Nintendo's amiibo figurines, with rare finds like Rosalina and the Villager being sold out within minutes of hitting the shelves. Well, it looks like collectors are going to find another way to collect their favorite characters, as Nintendo has announced plans to release trading card-based amiibos later this year. These cards will be compatible with the Wii U's NFC reader, as well as those of the new 3DS. For those who are not upgrading to the new 3DS, Nintendo is pondering an external NFC reader accessory. And finally, computer manufacturer Lenovo has come under fire for installing adware on its computers. The company was revealed this week to be installing a piece of malware called Superfish on its new computers and laptops that would activate the moment the new machine was turned on for the first time. In addition to its normal adware properties, the program is also able to break HTTPS connections. For those not computer savvy, HTTPS is the secure connection protocol that comes into play when you do, for example, online banking. As Superfish is able to break these connections, it opens a vulnerability for someone to come in and steal your private information. At the time of this recording, Lenovo has released instructions on how to remove the program. Owners of Lenovo machines purchased within the last two years are encouraged to look beneath our YouTube feed for the link to these instructions. And that's all the headlines that we have for this week. We're going to take a musical break. When we come back, we talk The Flash. Does this show have the stamina to go the distance, or is it a flash in the pan? While I go lock myself in the pain glove for that awful pun, enjoy the music. Well, I can feel it on my fingers. Breathe it into my lungs. Traces of it linger just like Faces drawn in one Like endless gonna come Well I could sing you the blues But it wouldn't feel right Cause baby I 
All right, and we are back. And this week we are discussing another uh, superhero television series, which I think this is like the third one in a sequence that we've discussed. We've discussed uh, Agents of Shield. Oh no, wait, the second because we haven't discussed Agent Agent Carter. No, yet. but we did discuss so, we did discuss Gotham, which technically counts. All right, so uh, yes, the the Flash television series, which was really sort of a kind of a surprise. Uh, when it was first announced, I mean, the Flash has never been, you know, he's not, I wouldn't say he's an obscure character, but he's hes not exactly what you'd call uh, one of the flagship uh, franchises of DC, but then again, neither was Green Arrow when Arrow first started out, and look how well that turned out, uh, make of that what you will. So, uh, Brian, why don't you start us off by giving us a little uh, a little background info on this television series, what its premise is, and who all has been cast, and just tell us a bit well, about also, it. Well, I'll start out with a little bit of trivia. This is actually the second time The Flash has been a live-action TV star. Really? Yes, there was a fir- there was a first Flash series that came out in 1990, but only lasted one season, unfortunately. So this is an interesting sort of, well, we're going back to the well. It didn't work in the 90s. Let's see what happens in the aughts. So the premise is fairly simple. Uh, Barry Allen, forensic scientist for Central City PD, Uh, who has been chasing the impossible. You hear that a lot in the show. He's chasing the impossible. He's a guy that sort of believes that, because he, as young age, he saw his mother murdered by basically a yellow and red streak. And he has no idea what it was as a child. But has ruined his life because his father went to jail for murder and he doesn't believe it was done by him. So as he grew up, He's sort of like, I love the fact that uh, there's must be something else out there. And so it gets to a point, though, he's doing an experiment in his science lab. At the same time, Star Labs is unleashing this massive generator that fails and releases a bunch of energy outwards. The same time this happens, lightning strikes him and knocks him into a bunch of chemicals. Knocks him out into a coma for about six months and wakes up and he suddenly has super speed. The Flash TV show is what I like to call a year one show. They did it the same thing with Arrow. So what you're actually witnessing in season one is sort of like the first year he has powers. So he wakes up, uh, he has some help from Star Labs, what's left of Star Labs since it's closed down after the massive explosion. Yes, explosions tend to do that. (laughs) Yeah, so he wakes up, he sort of has these powers, and he has his helper, the guy in charge of Star Labs, Dr. Wells, um, his assistants, and uh, Caitlin Snow and Cisco Ramon, trying to help him figure out what these powers are at the same time. And this is where the, the, at least the first part of the season is the hook is because of the explosion, he wasn't the only one that magically gained powers. Other metahumans, as they are called, and they actually call them in the show, start to arise because of the accident. So they want to try to either help them, but so far every metahuman they've met, except for one exception, one, uh, has turned out to be some sort of criminal. All the while, by, yeah, some, by some coincidence. So, so, so it's it's the it's the static shock principle. For every one heroic character, there'll be a, that gets splashed with the magic goop. There will be a hundred villainous. Pretty ones. much, and that's and that's sort of how you kind of get the hook into it. That he's learning him his powers. He's going out to try to either stop or help these metahumans. Along the way, he's they have the CW ness of drama with Iris West, uh, love interest, but she's in love with someone else. Blah 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 blah. Um, shows you how much I pay attention to that storyline. Uh, but at the same time, they're also introducing a lot of different aspects of the DC universe. They're actually introducing more villains, more characters. Because um, the biggest villains that the Flash faces 
are not metahumans. They're the rogues. So the rogues are getting introduced, uh, little by little. Now, who are, who ah, are the rogues? The rogues are, are a group of thieves, mostly. Commanded, well, not commanded by, there's... Captain Cold is in charge, and I put sort of that in quotation mark, because no honor among thieves a lot of times, so there are infighting. But it's Captain Cold, Heat Wave, Weather Wizard, Pied Piper, the Trickster... Um, on all these characters, except for, I think, Weather Wizard, in the, sh in the show they gave him superpowers, but more long than not, they don't have powers, but they band together sort of the face off against the Flash, because that's like a new challenge for them. Now, I just, I just gotta ask, Weather Wizard, is he, is he an actual character from the yes, comics? Yes, yes, yes. Oh my god, because just like that name, like that's the kind of name you come up with when you are just like completely bereft of any kind of... of creative spark you're just like what, what who are you uh i'm a wizard i i, I work the weather uh just call me the well weather that's wizard. sort of the in joke of the show is uh cisco ramon who by the way is a superhero himself vibe in the comics he's not a superhero in the show <laughs> oh and the names just get worse and worse okay he's not a superhero in the show yet vibe's not that bad of a name he but he's the one that sort of is the geek character among them so he's the one that actually he was the one that sort of makes the code names uh, for the all the other characters and things like that. So, and they all all of them, I think, except for one, has been true to the comics. And that is, they changed Rainbow Raider to Prism. But they mentioned they mentioned him in the show, though. That I thought Rainbow Raider was going to be great. I'm like, don't ever talk. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're halfway through the season as it is. We're actually getting cl probably cl closer and closer to the finale. So a lot of the storylines are now. Uh, he's sort of established a lot of his speed, but he's starting to figure out who might have actually killed his mother, which was the reverse Flash. Um, and we start to learn about, you know, Dr. Wells, who may have a dark and deep secret. I don't know why I said it like that. Are you part Transylvanian? Is I'm, that, I'm, I'm making up here? for the fact John's are you, not here. Jo are you, wait, are you, are you, are you, are you channeling John? Did John <laughs> no, die? No, he didn't die, but... John! If you can, if you can hear us in the next life, give us a sign! Pun! <laughs> Does that work? <laughs> so, uh, now, Kat, I, as, I, I'm, I'm interested in hearing your perspective. Um, since you, you don't normally read superhero, uh, American superhero comics, and you're kind of coming into these things kind of fresh, I want to get your perspective. Um, so for someone coming fresh into this, this franchise, this character, what were, what were your thoughts on uh, the series so far? Um, and, and I'm really coming in fresh because I never saw Smallville, and I never saw Arrow, and thus, like... Flash is my first exposure to the WB uh, superhero the, shows. The CW verse. <laughs> yes, sorry, they changed yeah, the name, like didn't that, they? Yeah. yeah, I don't know what CW means. We wish they hadn't, but I, they did. It'll always be the WB to me. Indeed. Um, I I have two thoughts about this show. Uh, the first being that I really enjoy the story. Uh, I like the pacing of it. I I like pretty much everything that's going on, other than like the melodramatic love life uh, of, of Barry Allen. Um, but, but the dialogue is so poor. I mean, it, it is genuinely bad dialogue most of the time. 
That's not to say that the writing of the show is bad, because, again, I like the story. It's just, like, when they talk to each other, sometimes I just want to bang my head into a wall. Are we are we talking, like, cheesy bad or amateurish bad, or what the hell were they smoking when they wrote this bad? Well, it's just sort of like they don't think that their audience is very smart, so they have to like dumb down the language a lot, which is weird for a show with as much techno babble as they have. Um, but they really, really, really dumb down a lot of stuff. So for example, this is one of those shows that um, it has the uh, Barry Allen introducing himself as the Flash at the beginning of every episode. I'm Barry Allen. I used to be a spy until one day I burnt notice, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> The Fire Nation attacked something, something, whatever. He has to explain the premise of the show every episode. Fine, whatever. And then they have a previously on The Flash to flash back to whatever previously happened that's relevant to this episode. And then in the episode, they are still going to reiterate what's going on. So a character thinks that her fiancé died. Okay, so every time that they mention this character's name... They have to say, oh, so-and-so whose fiancé died? Like, they they deliberately repeat this information all the time. Like, they have to repeatedly tell you that Barry Allen is the Flash, and that this happened to that character, and this and that, and they have this relationship. They have to continually tell you this, because they must really think that you're stupid. Oh, they're, they're going to quiz you on it at the end of the season. Maybe. It, it, it's also season one fucking, like, uh... Like I said, year one, season one sort of problems. I think Arrow did the same thing because it's like the same team. And then like once season two happened, they're like, all right, I hope you remember because we're never going to tell you again. Like, oh, okay. So I was supposed to pay attention? (laughs) (laughs) But like, I I understand that. But maybe because I've read comics and sort of comics do the same thing. I was never, I was never as dialogue. I don't know how the word I want to say. Like I was never, I guess, insulted by it. I was like, oh yeah, this is, this is how things, this is how people talk, right? Yeah, sure. It happens in comics. Yeah, sure. Sure. So, like, when, pe- when people tell me, it's like, well, this is dumb. I'm like, oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> is it? I never knew. And a lot of it is, um, I know for a fact Jeff Johns, one of the writers uh, who writes comics, he co-wrote one of the shows. And he's notorious, notorious for uh, making the characters be way more explanatory than they actually really need to be. And he's also he also writes them very. He tries to write them true to the point, though it might be a bit over the top. Captain Cold and Heatwave were a bit over the top uh, in terms of their characterization, but at the same time, they're also like the two best villains that he's faced so far. So you know, give that as as you will. But the character you're looking for is Ronnie Raymond, who's actually Firestorm, the Nuclear Man. Uh, I will admit they they made his name an acronym, which was a little much in my opinion because it's never been an acronym before. I felt like that was a bet. One of the writers says, I bet you can't make that an acronym. And some guy's like, fuck yeah, I can. <laughs> <laughs> then the directors are like, why? So. <laughs> because reasons. It's like, so they, they made an acronym. They, they showed it a couple times. I've noticed, though, in the last couple episodes, because they're still playing off. He's Because he's another character who was sort of introduced, Ronnie Raymond and uh, Professor Martin Stein. Uh, they've slowly stopped using... At least they've stopped showing the acronym. They're just calling them Firestorm, Firestorm, Firestorm. It's like, all right, cool. Um, and things like that. And that's and, and that's one of the things that this show is actually doing that I sort of enjoy is that they are expanding upon the roster of characters outside of Batman and Superman. 
Like, in this and Arrow show, you actually have a cast of a Justice League, like, series that doesn't require Batman or Superman. Um, except for Caitlin Snow. She actually becomes Killer Frost, which is a villain. So I'm not sure what they're going to do with her. I'm not sure if they're going to keep her a goodie. I hope they keep her a goodie, because she's actually more of a, a an anti-hero in the books itself. Uh, and in the book, she's actually connected to Firestorm, because Firestorm's the only one that can temporarily cure her of her ice powers. So that was another little connection I saw in the show, and I went, oh, very, okay, that's kind of cool. Of course, you wouldn't know that unless you read mountains of books like I do. I, I do I do like how they're uh, they're setting up a really big cast. Like, they have a lot of villains that they can keep coming back to. Like, they just, they have so much to work with, and it's really nice to here's a huge ton of people and lots of enemies to have, and you know, you don't have to really repeat Yeah, I was much. a little concerned because they did have the they, they were capturing a lot of, like, obscure villains, and I was like, uh, when are the cool villains going to show up? And, and not to say... Well, I, I take actually, most of the villains they've captured so far have been kind of stupid villains. No offense to the anyone who's a, who's who was a fan of Multiplex. Um, a villain I actually had to look up because I didn't know who he was. I was like, "Who the fuck are you?" Click, 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 click. Oh, what are his powers? Does he does he does he force you to watch terrible? No, movies? he's a multiple man. Is he played by Trace no, Bialyu? No, no, he's a multiple man. He can he can multiply himself. Uh, but but when when the Rose got introduced and Reverse Flash got introduced and Grodd's been introduced. Uh, and he's been teased. Well, he has been he's been teased, and those are main Flash villains. You start to really sort of get. Oh, this is where the show is sort of going. Um, another thing I I kind of liked is that, like I mentioned before, this is the second Flash show. So another little bit of trivia that I'm pretty sure a lot of people will call me out on is that Barry Allen's father is played by an actor called John Wesley Ship. He was the Flash. In the 1990s Flash TV show. Oh, that's really awesome. Um, so yeah, there's a, so he's and he's a mi- he's a minor character in the moment. He shows up every so often, um, gives Barry uh, his sort of moral compass when he sort of needs it. Um, even though Barry's moral compass in the show is actually pretty good, like like he had I think a more realistic sort of way of when he got powers. It was like. Oh my god, I've got powers. What can I do with this? I must keep it a secret. No, his reaction was like, I'm gonna holy go shit, I could run, run really fast. fast. Yeah, that was like be, be most people's reactions if they got powers. And and he and he became and he sort of like they sort of mess with it every so often, but one of his main things was like, I have this, I can go help people. Therefore, I'm gonna go help people. Like that's sort of Barry's Barry's is kind of a simple mindset, and that's where they have that going. It's like, yeah, I'm gonna go help people. I have this. I want to help. I'm going to help. That's 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 Barry. That's why Barry's sometimes considered a boring character because he can't be one-dimensional like that. But when you think about it, and we've all sort of complained about gritty reboots of characters, it's nice to have a character just be like, "I'm awesome at running," and just run away and, you know, and do stuff. I'm I'm going to go for a jog <laughs> yeah. around the world. Like he like he got he was going to get mugged at one point. He's like, "Oh my god, you serious? Out of everyone in the city, you're going to mug me? This is great!" And then this. He runs around, grabs a knife, and puts, like, a cop next to the guy. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> And he is very, like, a, a nice, well-rounded character, but he doesn't come off as, like, too Boy Scouty, like, you know, like, Superman is often criticized for. Because he's a little more flawed. Um, and, but his moral compass is always true, you know, but... Without being too, too good, you know. He's really kind of down he's, he's, he's a really good friend. <laughs> he's... 
He's a friend you want to have. He he will hold the friend that you go out and you party with. And he will hold your hair when you vomit on the street. <laughs> He's the friend who gets friend zoned. <laughs> yeah, that happened. Literally, that was actually that some happened. of my favorite moments because it was just, I don't know, just because he was such like a nice dude about it. He's like, was like, oh, you're drunk. All right, we're going to go over here. He's like, can, can you take me home? No problem. Tuck me in bed? Sure. Wait till I fall asleep? Done. And then the next day, he was like, hey, remember you were really drunk last night? She's like, shut up, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked that part. <laughs> so let's talk a bit about the uh, the, the casting of, uh, of this show. So uh, clearly you guys are enjoying Grant Gustin as Barry Allen. Uh, what do you think of some of the other cast members on the show? Um, Dr. Harrison Wells is creepy. Like, I'm not... I don't, Tom Calavan, I believe his name is. Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh. Like, I don't know him from a lot, but he definitely... He's the other sort of standout in the show. Um, if, you know, if you would show people or ask people, like, who are the two standouts? It would be Barry Allen and Dr. Harrison Wells. Because everyone else is okay, but they're also sort of stuck in their own one-dimension area. But Dr. Harrison Wells, because he's the one that has... Who's teaching Barry, but is also, like secretly trying to do other things with Barry. Um, well, that sounded bad. Wow. That the, sounded you, terrible. That, yeah, that sounded bow, pretty terrible. Bow, wow. Yeah. He, he's, he's a very, very shady character. And, and, and once you find out, like, you start seeing him do stuff when other people aren't around, and you're like, damn, that's shady. And then you start to see it become a little, like, more obvious. And you're like, shit, this is great. So much fun. His his character is just so interesting to to just watch be shady. Yeah, he yeah, can be he can pretty, be pretty up there. Sadly, Irish wet Irish I Iris West Irish Irish West Irish West. Get out of here, you little fecker. Okay. Um, <laughs> I just insulted everyone. In I apologize. Yeah, to Irish Ireland's people. going to send me a nasty letter, and and they should. <laughs> but she. Like, she's supposed to be, like, the main love interest slash in-conflict love interest. And, unfortunately, I don't know what it is about CW shows, but their female characters don't... I don't know. They don't seem to work right. I don't I don't know how else to say it. Like, she's not a bad character, but you kind of wait. When your scene shows up, you go, oh, hi, Iris. How long is this going to take? Like, it's it's like waiting at the DMV. It's important. She's important. But it's a long wait. It, she's just not that interesting, really. She's she's really not. She doesn't serve much nah, of a purpose. I mean, they're, they're, trying, the they're trying to give her more, yeah. She's just sort of there to be pined over and to have romantic drama, and she doesn't really do much else yeah, they, other they have than her, that. They, they finally gave her her reporting role, which is true, again, true to the character, true to the books. So you're sort of sitting there going, you're going to do more, but at the same time, it's like, uh, still not doing a lot other than trying to unintentionally sabotage Barry's love life. Uh, even though she's dating uh, Officer uh, Thawne, Eddie Thawne, who is also sort of there. Um, he was there to be a foil to, to Barry, I think, for a while. And then like he was like, I don't like the Flash. The Flash is new and different. I'm going to start a Flash task force. And then everyone's like, and then a couple couple episodes later, like, hey, Eddie, remember that Flash that task force? That was kind of dumb. He's like, shut up, guys. I like him now. Like, that's his, his character. His <laughs> character got 180 in the span of an episode because Barry saved his life. Yeah. 
I hate you, but you saved my life. Well, I it's, love it's, you. It's, it's, it's like you were you were mean to well, like he did he did attack him once, but he was mind control at the time. But he's, it, it, he was whammy. He was, <laughs> but like so he again. But he it's it's another thing I think we're like all right. He's another character from the comics. We're going to try to set him up, but he's not important now. But we want him there to start off with so people know who he is. It's like, okay, yay, you're there. Jess L. Martin, who's Detective Joe West, uh, which is Iris's father. He's he's sort of Barry's second father as well. Because he took him in when his father was sent to jail. And he sort of became his legal guardian. He actually is a kind of a neat character because we don't... He's sort of new to the series because he existed in comics, but he was never main focused. And he's main focused in the TV series a lot. You know, and it helps Barry to sort of... And he knows Barry's secret, obviously. Um, his real father knows Barry's secret, uh, knows Barry's secret too, but they're being coy about it because it's funny. And it, and it creates, uh, creates dynamic moments. But he's another character you sort of like because he's also another... He's a, he's a good guy, but he's the one character that can look at things like Harrison Wells is doing with a, with an eye going, something's up. I'm a detective. I'm going to detect this. Because everyone else thinks Harrison Wells is the greatest of all time, despite the fact he blew up the city. So he's the one character that sort of goes, something's up, and I have to sort of... I'm going to help Barry out here. We're going to you know find out the murder of his mother, because I think this guy might be behind it. And so he's it's 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 good to have a character you can... He, that, he, you can talk to that's not in a jail cell. And, and it, it, he sort of serves as the everyman because he's not a miraculous super genius who just knows tons of science shit. He's a detective. So he's a little more, you know, like hard-broiled and, you know, just sort of needs the science shit explained, but, uh, but isn't a complete and utter idiot, which is kind of nice because usually that's how it goes. Usually, you know... The scientist people have to have some condescending explanation of all the sciencey stuff, but he's just somebody to help the audience understand, like, so that they can explain it without <laughs> talking to us like we're idiots. Never gonna get it. Or doing the Star Trek thing, which is it makes sense, just roll with it. <laughs> so, and so that sort of rounds off some of the main cast. Caitlin, uh, Snow, and like I said, and Cisco. Even though they're sort of supporting roles, they sort of like Cisco. I know a lot of people hate because he's the geek of the show. Like, he dresses up in the geek t-shirts, he makes the call signs and stuff like that. He, he He's the one you expect to have a mountain of comics uh, in his, like, in his dorm or wherever he lives. Dorm. He's not he's not in college. Uh, in his, like, apartment or whatever, things like that. And so he he, he also tries to become, like, the com- he's sort of the comic relief. Because um, he'll, he'll say things, I guess, are supposed to be funny, but it's only really funny to him. No one laughs. And Caitlin is... Caitlin has a role now because Ronnie did finally come back. Um, but for the longest period of time, she was there to be the other super science uh, lady who got upset whenever you, someone mentioned Ronnie and Ronnie dying in the explosion, but not really dying in the explosion. Uh, because they, <laughs> they have to re it. I know what happened. He died in the explosion. Do you think he oh. Her fiance <laughs> died, and but then he wasn't dead, and they have to tell you over and over. And then Clancy Brown shows up, which is fine. <gasps> What's what is going to be interesting is actually uh, a little bit later. I don't know when the episode is going to come out, but I know they filmed it. But another nod to the original TV series is that they're going to have an actor who was in the original TV series and come back and play the exact same character. I'm going to spoil it for everyone. It's Mark Hamill. As the trickster. Ooh. What's happening is that the storyline I've heard for the TV series is that 
Um, there's a trickster going to be running around the city, but he's a new version. But he's using the, all the old like toys and techniques that the original trickster did, who's currently locked up in jail. So that's another great sort of passing the torch and nod to the original series. Because Mark Hamill played the trickster uh, in the 90s series. Nice. It's, 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 this is sort of like the show we've always sort of wanted. It still has its bumps in terms of like uh, a DC show. It still has definitely bumps along the roads uh, that could be smoothed out. But like they're doing so many right things like at the moment. It's like, it's, it's sort of weird. Like we don't know how to feel, you know? <laughs> it's like we like it, but we still want to kind of complain. Because we're waiting for the other shoe yeah, to drop. Yeah, we're waiting for the other shoe to drop. <laughs> that, part, that might happen um, season two or whatever. Who knows? Because it will be getting the second season. I heard that somewhere down the line. Which I was actually... I actually didn't think I would like this show. To be quite honest. Um, I like Flash. But I wasn't sure how the live action adaptation would go. Mostly because I know how CW sort of works. Like they have a quota of of drama you have to have on a show. I think except for Supernatural. But Supernatural has been around for what? 11 years? I don't think they care anymore. Supernatural does have a lot of drama. Yeah, so it's like, yeah. It has what? better writing. <laughs> Of dialogue, of dialogue, not better writing of the show necessarily. So, but when I, when I started watching it, I was like, I'm actually really enjoying it, more so than I really thought. So I was like, well, good on, you know, yay, absolutely. And I, I like, there's little aspects, it's a nice bright sun spot as opposed to like the dark and grim stuff that you see nowadays in the DC universe. So to have sort of this shiny light shows that, okay, some people, some people somewhere kind of get it, you know. This is, this is going to be sort of a comic book show. We're going to deal with a lot of comic booky things. You know, time travel is going to be involved pretty soon. Actually, just happened. So things like that. You know you know what I really enjoy about this show that I, I didn't think would end up being good, but it's the effects? Oh, yeah. Like it, It's surprisingly really good. It's, it's one of those things show. we were all concerned about was how is, how is he going to look while running fast? Or how is the... How is the super speed going to be handled? And so far, they've been doing like, like they've been doing such a good job. People, I think, almost forget it's a TV show. Like they're like, wow, that's that you know the train derailing scene where everything slows down and he has and he saves all those people. It's like that was really good. It's like yeah, it was. Gorilla God doesn't look like um, a CGI mess or weirdly animatronic. Like yeah, that's very true as well. It's. You kind of ha- this has to be an, uh, a special effects show because of the superpowers involved. But yeah, they've done really good job with it so far. Every so often there'll be the him running in place behind a blue screen shot, and you're like, ha ha ha, someone ran out of money. Yeah. <laughs> and and they recycle a lot too, but you know you kind of forgive them because yeah, but that's yeah. TV. Yeah. It's the, the the same shot of him running around the city over and over and over again, but it looks so good. You're just like, I don't care. Keep keep going. Yeah. Keep going. Okay, so, uh, all right, we're kind of running short on time here. So, uh, final thoughts on uh, the Flash series. I like it. I think it's actually a really good series that, you know, if you're not into DC or you're curious about DC or you were scared off because of uh, the movies like Man of Steel and stuff like that, I'd say check this out. It's sort of like the different side of the story. Uh, in terms of what you can look for. I guess the dialogue is terrible, but I guess I don't notice that terrible dialogue. I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, maybe it's too much of watching bad movies on Mystery Science Theater 3000. I'm immune. Maybe you're more forgiving. That could be it, too. <laughs> You've read enough Jeff Johns comics that you, you, you it just becomes second nature to you. It's just like, this is how people talk, right? Yeah, yeah. No, Brian. No? Really? <laughs> but yeah, I, I enjoy it. Okay. Kat, what about you? 
Uh, I, I really enjoy it, like, surprisingly enjoy it. Um, again, the, the effects are really good, and I, I forgive the bad dialogue just to keep going with what I find a very enjoyable story. Um, it, it's definitely a nice change to having a lot of gritty superhero kind of shows, especially, like, from what I know about the Arrow, this is nice and surprisingly bright and happy. Everybody learns a valuable lesson by the end of the episode. And uh, I'm really interested to see where it goes because they have created a nice mystery uh, to have unraveled. So is this this one that you're going to follow faithfully then? I'll try. I I did miss a a few episodes and Hulu took them down before I could watch them. So I'm already a little bit behind, but curses. But it is what it is. I will look forward to watching more. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for Nerd of the Third Power this week. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. And uh, we're going to be taking a break next week uh, to work on uh, the Golden Bacon Award show, which will be airing uh, the following week. So, yeah, it's going to be our big award show that we do every year, kind of look back on uh, 2014 and uh, what was good, what was bad. And, uh, yeah, so that's going to be a really big show. So, yeah, we will see you in a couple weeks for the Golden Bacon Awards. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. As always, I'm Dr. Gonzo. I'm the cat. And I'm Brian. Whoosh! We'll see you in a couple weeks. Talk up, play us out.